Hi guys, it's Annie McDonald, physio and strength and conditioning coach, and welcome to the Informed Performance Podcast. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking to performance coach Mike Gravara, who works one-to-one with a number of high-profile athletes across the NBA and the NFL. In this conversation, we'll be talking about how Mike functions in elite sport from the private end of the industry, and also how Mike developed his client-based business to shed some light on sports roles that fall outside of the traditional team contracts. Today's episode of the Informed Performance Podcast has been sponsored by Vald Performance, makers of the Nordboard. The Nordboard has become the gold standard for assessing field-based hamstring strength. By combining advanced sensors, real-time data visualizations, and cloud analytics, the Nordboard helps practitioners to accurately measure, monitor, and train individuals' hamstring strength or imbalances. To learn more about the Nordboard, visit our sponsor, volperformance.com. Informed Performance is a proud partner of HUMAC Norm by CSMI. By using the HUMAC Norm isokinetic system, you can see what you are treating. An isokinetic test measures maximum muscle capacity through range of motion. So when you're comparing an athlete's involved sides results to their uninvolved, this system makes it easy but objective to see where strength deficits exist to help you design a very efficient path to function. Then follow-up testing on the machine will confirm if your athlete or athletes are on the right path or if changes still need to be made. To learn more about the new Humac Norm and their refurbished machines, visit humacnorm.com. Just before we get into today's episode with Coach Mike G, if you're a PT attending CSM, the combined section meetings in San Diego from the APTA, then go and say hello to our latest partner for the show, CSMI, the makers of the HUMAC norm. They will be at booth 1815 showcasing their system and fielding questions on it. In the meantime, and without further ado, you're listening to the Informed Performance Podcast with me, Andy McDonald, and here is today's episode with Coach Mike Rivara. Mike, welcome to the show, mate. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Yes, sir. I am ready. I'm excited. I'm super pumped to to be on this show. I've been wa- listening, watching, listening to this show for a while because of the amazing, um, talented coaches and, and practitioners you've had on here. So to be a part of that list is, is truly an honor. No, well, I mean, it's great to have you on. You're a, you're a good addition. You're a welcome addition. So um, <laughs> what we normally do is kind of just ask people at the very beginning of the episode, much like you've probably experienced before, to just mm-hmm. outline your background. So um, yeah. yeah, take your time and just tell us kind of, you know, what you've done work-wise and kind of how you got through to where you are today. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'd love to share a brief synopsis of my up, up and come and journey into this amazing field, but I'm not going to take too much time because I really want to get into the the nuts and bolts of, of whatever questions that you want to ask. But um, my journey is very similar to a lot of coaches, you know, uh, aspiring athlete that didn't quite have the measurables or talent to make it to the next level, the pro level. So he or she chooses to do the next best thing, which is coach, whether that's on the technical side or the performance side. And and I chose the performance side because um, for those who aren't watching, I am five foot eight, 170 pounds soaking wet, and I'm Asian. So as an American football player, that doesn't really bode well when it comes to the eye test 
And, uh, you know, through my journey of playing football, I was often judged by my appearance. So, you know, I took those types of experiences and wore it on my sleeve, so to speak. And it just gave me more fuel to the fire to be dedicated into becoming the best athlete I could be, which meant training uh, extensively on my own, figuring out different ways to be better on the football field, because I knew that I was going up against more than just the people on the field. And that naturally inspired my journey to becoming a coach. You know, I developed a natural voice. Uh, I was always the emotional leader uh, on my teams. And, you know, these characteristics just go hand in hand with coaching. I'm loud. I'm rah-rah. I'm inspirational. At least I think I am. And I'm, I'm unafraid to put myself out there. So after my journey of playing kind of came to an end because I wasn't good enough, uh, it was the next best opportunity for me to stay a part of sport. And it was actually the right choice because I, I truly believe that God has put me on this earth to inspire and to touch people in a positive way through coaching. And I'm living that, that, that mission as we speak. Um, Briefly speaking, I've been in the game for 12 years, started in the private sector, driving from field to field, court to court, trying to offer my services and and get as much experience as possible. Finally got tired of driving and interned at a facility in Westlake Village, California, where I was there for the better part of about four or five years. And that's where I developed as a coach, as a technician, as a true operator in the field. Uh, being around my mentor, Scott Mitchell, who is a fellow of the Institute of Motion and Michelle Dalcourt and those folks by which we still all keep in contact. And and anytime I have questions, those are really good people to ask questions for. And um, just being in LA gave me a bunch of opportunity, you know, uh, rubbing shoulders with agents, rubbing shoulders with people of, of, of lots of power in terms of placing myself in the space of pro sport. So worked in NFL combine prep, worked with the number one tennis player, Victoria Azarenka, uh, worked with Drew Holiday. So again, people ask me, you know, how did you get to where you're at? And and, and a lot of it, it has to do with opportunity. I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as luck. I think that we make our luck. However, you're not going to really get these opportunities if you're in you know, Colorado or South Carolina or, you know, these types of areas where you're not going to get a lot of those types of people in traffic. But when those opportunities presented themselves to me, I was able to execute. I was able to perform and be ready for those opportunities and string a bunch of those opportunities along. Um, I became the personal performance coach for, for Victoria. We had a really good stint, won a couple grand slams, a couple gold medals. You know, obviously she won, but, you know, we as the team and uh, had a really great experience traveling the world, you know, and, and it's a completely different environment and culture from a social aspect, from um, just a plain culture. For instance, when you're at a tennis match, you have to be quiet. That's that's a little weird for a football player, but you have to adapt. And it helped me grow as a human. You know, I'm, I'm a rah-rah guy and I had, to, I had to learn how to bring that down being in those different types of social spaces, which, 
you don't at this, you know, you don't want to be the loud, obnoxious American because that's how they all look at us. But at the same time, you want to walk in your truth. So can you figure out like a happy median and blend to still be who you are, but at the same time, respect the culture? And I, I feel like I did a good job of that. Uh, tra- uh, fast forward into my next endeavor, worked with Drew Holiday, personally went to New Orleans, lived in New Orleans. What a lovely city for many reasons. And spent three years in the NBA with the Pelicans, which was one of the best experiences as a coach from a growth perspective, from a training perspective, from a life perspective. Did a lot of cool things with Drew and the Pelicans. Um, Pandemic hit. He gets traded to Milwaukee. I'm married at this point in time. And my wife is like, "Uh uh-uh, not going to Milwaukee. So that was the end of that chapter in my in my life and career. Um, and we decided to stay in Los Angeles where I started over. You and I spoke about this briefly. And uh, it was a daunting, most um, unknowing, most mysterious, most fearful situation. And, um, but we walk in our greatness and we, we have confidence and, we, and we've been tried and put through all these different tough situations to stand up to, to more tough situations. And that's exactly what I did. Started over, built a, a, a private practice or business from scratch. Now, let me not discredit social media because I was with Drew Holiday and because my social following was pretty, pretty um, decent. Once people started to catch wind that I was in Los Angeles and doing my private thing, I no longer with Drew, that kind of helped. So the social media thing is a tool and a valuable one at that. And then things just started building. I uh, started working with Spencer Dinwiddie, helped him recover from an ACL um, injury, um, started to get more players. And currently now, as we speak, uh, I'm most abundant in the NBA space, the basketball space. Uh, I, I don't close myself off to that because I love to work with anybody that wants to work, but that's mainly my. Uh, population, a demographic that I that I'm working in, and, and in the off season, the summertime, all the guys come to LA, so it's perfect. And then in the in season, which is where we're at now, I travel to specific players, mainly Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors, Spencer Dinwi of the Dallas Mavericks, and Jared Vanderbilt of the Utah Jazz. So uh, that's kind of like a brief synopsis of my career and and who I am and where I've come from. And uh, I hope that that was enough. (laughs) No, a hundred percent. And one of the many reasons that I wanted to get you on the show was I think like us as a podcast and and probably many others traditionally speak to lots of people who work full-time under contract for teams. Um, And then we might also speak to academics who have maybe been in the pro setting and they're now, you know, pursuing PhDs or whatever. So those tend to be like the two predominant um, career sector type of guests that we get. Um, I think like private sector people that work with elite athletes is is massively unrepresented by us and probably by others as well. Um, so it's interesting for us to kind of shed light on what people like yourself do in the industry as well to, I think, open the eyes of people that work in pro teams that might want to move on, but also there might be younger practitioners, coach, clinician, doesn't matter, who might be looking at their options in sport and team jobs are few and far between, but it's not the only, it's not the only route to work with athletes. So 
um one of the many reasons we wanted to get you on mate um you know we you know i think i know why you've gone from being private to sort of in a team to private again so i think i know probably why you've you're working private um you know what were your kind of big concerns i guess if you don't mind um when you were going from being at the pals to then going back into that kind of private space because that's a that's an enormous move not only geographically but in career shifts as well yeah absolutely i fell into the corporate we'll call it corporate space being in the nba working under contract with the the new orleans pelicans i fell into that situation because people kept seeing my face in the in the facility in in new orleans and uh alvin gentry comes up to me and he says, you know, you, you keep working with Drew. Why, why don't you help our whole team? And I'm just like, wow, that that was, you know, odd, pleasantly odd, right? <laughs> so a couple weeks pass. And again, when you're in this space where you're private, working specifically with one player in their team's facility, you can do it the right way or you can do it the wrong way. And what I mean by that is, most big time NBA athletes have a guy and their guy is granted access and their guy can, or gal, let me not be, you know, it could be a guy or gal and their personal person is granted access, which means if you look at it from the the vantage point of the staff, the strength coaches, the PTs, the people that are already there supposedly taking care of that player, you can understand how they could be a bit offended. I mean, I think I would, if I'm being honest. Like, what am I not doing to keep you from bringing your person into our space? Understandable. I empathize with that. That being said, the first thing I do when I go into those spaces, introduce myself, tell them that I'm here to help them. Tell them that I'm here for one reason and one reason only, which is to help the player and just make those lines of communication as genuine and as clear as possible that I want to be an asset. What do you need for me so that you know that I'm not a threat? I'm not doing anything you don't want me to. And if there is a disagreement, a professional discussion can be had. So you got to bring that threat level down immediately. And unfortunately, some people do not do that. They're not aware. They don't care to be aware. They choose not to be aware. And it's almost as if they put this thing, this this bravado personality on like, yeah, I'm here in your space. So what? And that's very unfortunate. I've seen it with my own two eyes. And that's just not the way to work. That's not a healthy environment for anybody. And most importantly, the athlete. So I, I, I digress and revert because I wanted to come back to the, the Pelicans. And the first thing I do is meet with the strength coach of the Pelicans and say, hey, look, man, I'm here to help Drew, to help you in any type of way. And we befriend each other. We create a relationship. And I think that that's what ultimately helped me become a part of the team because, you know, the head coach is going to say, hey, what do you think about Drew's guy? Do you think he can help us? And and if if I don't create that bond and relationship with that strength coach for the Pelicans, he probably says, nah, I don't think so. And now I closed myself off to an opportunity that has changed my life, literally. So I just want to make sure that anybody that's listening to this, that's in the private space, that has opportunities to go into other 
corporate systems and be an addition to don't close yourself off because it's so valuable and powerful to 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 become one within the system as best as possible. So private to corporate, very difficult because when you spend seven years in the private space, you move at the pace, at the the level, at the skill that you move at. And sometimes, matter of fact, most of the time, these this these environments don't move like you. And it was hard for me to adapt to the different types of ways that you needed to make decisions, to ask questions, to do things, because there's always a clearance system. For instance, such and such player wants to do yoga. My initial action, oh, I'm going to find a yoga instructor immediately in the city that we're in right away. Call people, use resources, boom, boom. He wants to do yoga. We're going to get it done. No, 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 no. Mike G, slow down. You can't do that. You need to call the medical director. You need to, no, 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 no. You need to first ask the strength coach. Strength coach says, okay, well, let's have another conversation with this person. Let's have another conversation. Yeah, finally we can, yes, you can. And then by the time all that happens, the player's like, I don't want to do yoga no more. It's over. It's, it's been five hours. So in my mind, I'm like, guys, we're missing opportunities to get these players better. We're missing opportunity. And, and, and I say that instance because it's happened. And also if it's very frustrating for me because I'm, I'm a doer and I make stuff happen right away, but that's not the way things work in systems in corporate systems. So difficult, but again, adapt or die, you figure it out. When, when, when you're put into a difficult situation that you don't emotionally have a taste for or you struggle from a logical perspective or from a skill perspective as well, you figure it out. What do you do? You ask questions. You make things happen. You create a resource for yourself to, to fit in the system. And that's exactly what I had to do. Um, very difficult. Achieve some success and ultimately left that space because I was starting to realize that it wasn't probably the best place for me to be as a, as a, as a coach and as a man. So loved it, appreciated for what it was. The, the two year ride on the plane in on the team was amazing and will never be forgotten or taken for granted. But I knew that this wasn't a, a, a model that could fit my style personality wise. So um, leaving the the corporate space and going back into private was the best decision for me. But I learned so much about the NBA, about how it works, how it operates. And it's only helped me be a better coach for these men. I think you probably stole one of the questions out of my mouth. I was one of the questions was going to be, how do you in your situation go in as the, you know, the players guy? How do you go in seamlessly and harmoniously with the with the staff? I guess uh, you know, not trying to encourage you to roll people under the bus, but how can <laughs> members of staff from the teams, um, you know, include you seamlessly? Because I think a long time ago, and we've had these conversations, interdisciplinary practice has traditionally been, you know, how does the ATPT work with the S&C, the sports scientist, in any of those directions? 
Um, but the reality of professional sport, as you said, is, you know, players in high paying leagues have access and choice. So how can those teams who, you know, progressively now need and may want to be more effective at dealing with people like yourself at, at bringing yeah. in the players guy and, and making sure that the player's happy, the team's happy and, and that relationship's managed, you know, from the team to you. First and foremost, get out of your ego. Because and and it's easier said than done. Because it hurts, it stings, and I get it, and I and I would and I understand why. But ultimately, who matters most? Let's ask that question. Who matters most? Is it is it the is it the operator, the professional? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the the management? Is is it the personal guy or gal? And we all know the answer to that. The answer is no. It's the player. The player matters most. So if I'm on the team side and one of my players brings in his personal person, first thing I'm going to do is check myself at the door, check myself, check my ego at the door. All right. So clearly the player feels like they need a little bit of extra that we're not able to provide. Okay. Let's get a better understanding of what that is and support that person in any which way we can, as long as it doesn't disrupt the flow of our current state with the team, right? Because at the end of the day, the player does matter most, but the the true answer is the team matters most. So as, as long as we're not messing up the team flow, let's support that person. Hey. Um, we'll call him, we'll call her since I've been him heavy. We'll call her, uh, Erica, Erica comes in personal, personal performance coach. Let's have a conversation with Erica. Let's sit her down. Let's be as, um, open-minded and optimistic and welcoming as possible because we don't already, when you say, Hey, Erica, can we have a meeting? She's already going to be guarded or he's already going to be guarded. Nah, let's go have a lunch real quick. Come sit down, eat with us. The tone is everything, right? Communication is everything. We learn these things, skills, soft skills. Miss Erica, you know, we understand that the player brought you in. Obviously, you mean something to him. So that means you matter. You're important. What can we do to make this as seamless and flowful as possible? Go. Hear her out. This, 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 and this. Okay. Now, Miss Erica, I need you to know this. Coach Erica, I need you to know this. In order for you to get what you need, we need a few things as well. It's a give and take because at the end of the day, we have an operation. We have a team operation, and we got to make sure that everything goes within the flow of that operation. So these are our requirements and needs. Boom, 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 boom. You got to come before practice. You got to come after practice. You can't be in the facility when players are there, whatever it is. Come to an agreement, see eye to eye. You get what you need. We get what we need. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Everybody's happy. And I really believe that that's the way it could be because once you remove ego out of the picture, the player is happy. He He's getting what he feels he needs, Whether we and we can debate that or not. It's not about that. It's about what the player feels like they need. And ultimately, that's all that matters because now he's in a better mental space. He feels better. Again, we can debate why. And 
ultimately we have one less responsibility to worry about. So I think everybody wins. I mean, if that's us kind of talking at so far at more of like an organizational level, I want to kind of shift a little bit more about, you know, training itself um, and get into the, the mutual love of being gym rats that we probably both share. Um, you know, you've got, you know, maybe a few days at a time or a week with a player, whatever the kind of um, individual spells that you spend over the season, probably multiple times with each player. What do you try and kind of focus on in the time that you have, I guess, technically when it comes to training or treatment or or care of that athlete? What what do you sort of, um, how do you focus your, your efforts? Mm. So, Andy, as you would know, that was a very heavy and open-ended question, so I'm going to do my best. <laughs> but, yeah, but, sorry about that um, No, no, I, it's a good question. And I think, I, and really this is about just trying to give people perspective, right? You know, obviously we can't get into the, the super nitty-gritty of what we're doing in the summertime because that would take a day. But I want to provide value, so I'm going to do my best. This is going to pertain to the summertime because in the off in the in season when I'm traveling two players, um, the main em- emphasis and focus is how do we get the player to feel as best as possible to perform in the game, and oftentimes that doesn't require the weight room. Um, so let's focus on the weight room. Let's focus on the technical aspect of being in performance mode. And that generally comes in the off season. So from mid-May to the second week of September, I'll have guys, depending on how far they go into the playoffs. Hopefully all my guys don't come back until mid-June, but that's not possible because only two teams make it to mid-June. However, mid-May, second week of September, a lot of time. This is why I love basketball is because we have a true off season in tennis you have literally four weeks what 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 are you supposed to do in four weeks in football nfl you have like three weeks here they go away three weeks here they go away and then one month in the summertime then they got to go to camp so again no off season nba i literally have you from mid-may depending on depending on well you play uh your team plays all the way until second week of september it's a lot of time, which means we can implement a strategy that looks at true periodization, true stimulus that can uh, be implemented and, and, and inputted into the system hard because we have time to recover from that. So now we're able to acquire adaptations that actually pertain to what we read in the books. That's the thing that people don't understand. Coaches, young coaches don't understand about pro sports is these people don't don't usually have enough time to input these types of stressors that truly provide all the uh, adaptation that we read in books. Track does, you know what I mean? And, and a lot of these books were written for track athletes, sprinters mainly, but the power and the speed and, you know, all these types of, uh, of adaptations that we, we love to talk about and love to read about, it's very hard to do unless you have a true offseason. So, I, you know, the long, long, long and short of it is we have that with the NBA guys. So, you know, we have a GPP. 
general preparatory phase that and I and I and I think I'll just go through the phasing that I like to implement. How about that? That that that's pretty useful, I think. We have a GPP and and the model that I like to use is three on one off. So three weeks of kind of a, a macro cycle where and then we taper for a week. Three on taper, three on taper. And within those each each macros, we have different models that I like to use that I stole. Yes, I stole from people that are better than me at research. I'm okay with admitting that. <laughs> so the first uh, model I like and love really is Dr. Michael Yeses, one by 20. Why? Because it freaking works. It's It's really that simple. And what the one by 20 is, is, you know, you read the, the manual, he breaks it down. Dr. Michael Yeses breaks it down to the joints. I don't look at it that way because I don't have that much time. I have about 90 minutes per session and maybe two to three dudes per, per training session. It's not practical. So I'm looking at movement patterns and I'm looking at movement patterns as it pertains to their sport, which is basketball. So I'll pick 10 exercises, sometimes eight, depending on the training age. I bring that up because the one by 20 is very difficult if you do it right. Have you ever done the one by 20? Not the um, not the proper version. I'm, I'm one of those people that probably uh, sort of bastardizes various programs in my own self-experimentation. But you understand that it is a bear of a workout. Yeah, it is a bear. and it's the it's the best stressor to really provide that foundational quality of 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 strength of of great movement pattern and 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 efficiency because you get 20 chances to get a, a, a exercise right there's so many great adaptations that happen with this model which is the main reason why I choose it as the first um kind of method that we go into for GPP. And um, I'm picking 10 exercises. And usually it'll go lower, upper, lower, upper, lower, upper times five. And uh, unilateral exercises are in there and that is not one exercise. So if we do left side, we got a one minute break, we got to do the right side. And that is one exercise. And it's, and it's brutal because I love safety bar, rear foot elevated split squat for that. And if you've ever put even 135 pounds on your back and did it 20 times with depth, with with proper tempo, not jamming through, not going fast, but nice, smooth tempo, you know, two, one, two, quality, 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 super discipline. You know, you might get a headache, but, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 it works so beautifully and powerfully that um, that's kind of been my go-to. And I bring that 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 training age piece up because people aren't you fought this is what I say to players I'm going to teach you about yourself you're going to learn some things about you that you never knew and what I mean by that is you've never been stressed like this before you're going to feel things that you've never felt before you're going to feel the, the most extreme discomfort that you've never felt before and you're going to use that as a mental frame of reference that in any particular situation that you feel in game, it's going to be nothing compared to what you discovered and experienced with me during the summertime. 
And that's also a very powerful tool. Nothing is going to be this difficult that I go through in the season. I am built for anything. And I feel like that that's a powerful mental stimulus as well. So three weeks of that, one week deload and a deload will probably look like the same exact session, except I'll just bring the load down significantly and work on quality coordination, movement control, motor control. And it's going to be like a six RPE versus a nine. It's not going to be easy, but it's not going to be like, dang, I don't really feel like hearing your voice right now, Mike G. So um, that's kind of how we build the first GPP. Then I transition into, and then within that week, we'll do a pool day. We'll do some field work. I love field work because it allows me to really open up their coordination and their minds of not being in a weight room or a basketball court. And as a uh, uh, ex-football player, the field is like my second home. You know, I, I, I flourish on the field. I played receiver, which means cone drills were what we did every single day. And I just like building motor patterns that they don't normally use on the basketball court on the field because it transfers. You know, the, the more kinesthetic intelligence you have, the ability to perform multiple movement skills just matters. Even if you don't do this on the court, it matters because you never know when you're in a situation where you where you will require yourself to get into those different types of spaces. And now you have the affordance to do so. So just broadening that that movement intelligence on the field, et cetera, et cetera. Transition into more SPP, sports specific. I love um, Caldeets, triphasic training. And the reason why I love it is because it speaks to basketball very well. Um, looking at just the force velocity curve of, of eccentric, isometric, concentric, the V, right? how we're able to 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 create force and 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 create stabilization in different positions and postures um, basketball players are tall their their center of mass is really high off the ground which means they don't necessarily like to get low and i feel like a lot of low hanging fruit comes from teaching basketball athletes how to be low for a long period of time with a lot of load on their system and getting comfortable there uh, you'll never get comfortable there, but understanding that you're afforded to get there and that plays a huge part into staying out of the treatment room because of all the tissue tolerance and all the tissue adaptation that occurs in those different types of specific positions and 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 creating isometric strength and understanding how to stabilize in those awkward, precarious positions, um, which is why we love triphasic training. And, and what that is, is three weeks in the eccentric phase where you do a four to six second count eccentric and explode out of the bottom. Uh, the second phase, isometric. Now we're getting down into the isometric, the bottom position of the lift, holding for four to six seconds, exploding up, and then concentric where you're just as fast as you can um, down up with the same range or uh, range of motion. So month, month, month. And then we get more into Alex Natera stuff, 
Alex Natera is really popping right now and for the right reason. He teamed up with the professionals at Pacey. They did this amazing ISO course, uh, not to, you know, pub anybody else on your platform, but they're just doing really good work over there. And I encourage any strength coach to go check that out. But Alex Natera, uh, he is the ISO king, which I'm sure that he don't want to be known as the ISO king because he makes it very clear that he's not just doing isometrics. However, he has rediscovered to the field that the amazing benefits and, and, and power of ISOs can be applied to so many different sports and um, create rehab adaptation, create performance adaptation, speed, power, et cetera. So uh, I took a lot of stuff from him as we get into more of CP competition phase. And now we're doing overcoming ISOs, oscillatory ISOs, uh, quasi ISOs, and um, really getting these guys ready to get back on court, be explosive, be powerful, be comfortable, be light-footed. And I'll tell you what, man, one of the best compliments I had this past summer, have a NBA guy tell me that who is 28 years old, he's like, I haven't felt this good since I was 17. And that for me was one of the biggest moments for the summer because that just means we turn what we do. We turn the clock back, which means we put an extra 10 years on his career, so to speak, if he feels 17. And that makes that just brings joy to my heart because that means we did the right thing. So um, very general. Underlying theme of what we do in the offseason. But again, because we have an offseason, we have lots of time. We got commitment from these guys and we have understanding. I'm not for everybody. If you aren't ready to put in the time, effort, energy, and psychological fortitude in every single session with me, you're, we're not going to be friends. We're not going to get along and you're not going to want to come see me. So, And I've had people that we don't, it's just not for them and that's okay. But for those who do want to take on the commitment for themselves, add years to their career and, and, and take on the challenge with me, we, we get it done and, and, and the proof is in the pudding. Our players, they do well. So here we are. I think, I think we were talking about this the other day on the phone briefly about it's a, a bit of a trap sometimes where I think coaches sort of label players as their players, their guys. And, and in reality, a player might work with you a few times, a few off seasons and have a great experience with you. And then for reasons that aren't to do with you, they might want to be in Miami or they might want to be in a different place. And that might look like training with someone else. And it's not disloyalty or <laughs> a different, a difference of what they think they need. It just might be, I'm going to be somewhere else. I'm going to work with someone else. Absolutely. But they probably will. They probably will come back to you at some point. I think it's, Absolutely. you know, we were saying about, coaches and clinicians not getting too possessive of athletes and, and given given athletes the ability to go and come back and not <laughs> uh, not not brand them so yeah it's 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 vital to differentiate um life curvilinear path and loyalty because life's curvilinear path 
might put a player in Miami for whatever reason, might put a player in New York for where, and at the end of the day, what matters most, your ego, your, your perception of like what makes me feel good inside and tingly, oh, my guys and gals are coming back, or the player's state of mind and, 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 and what's best for them and what they feel is best for them and detaching that. You got to detach yourself from that notion that that's your person because it's not, they're not getting your name tattooed on their, their body. It just means that their life has provided a different opportunity or option in which they felt like it was better for them for that moment. And now we need to work our ass off to make sure that they're taken care of at whatever destination that, that, that they're at. And that's what matters. And if you put that at the forefront of, of who you are as a, as a human being, life is going to be abundant, period, in any field. Just help people. Even if, it's, even if you aren't getting paid or you're not getting the, the, the credit or whatever, just help people. And, and things just kind of work out. No, I completely agree with you. And I, one of the, uh, I guess, like one of the things I really wanted to um, touch base with, completely non-technical to our our craft, but as someone who who has built up a good following online and um, is doing good kind of you know businessy things, if you like, in the private sector, you've got programs mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time when you work in a full time team, you know you need to do something outside of it just in case because the job security is not always there but you don't always have the legal space in the team or the time to put in place what you know you may need to for when that day comes if it's by choice or by or by the team's choice um so one of the things i wanted to kind of ask you is is there you know someone that's going to go private as a trainer in your context obviously needs a place to train athletes or a place to rent to train athletes out of sure is there anything you know that in today's landscape online or just in terms of things that allow you to market and develop that business? Is there anything you would advise people to focus on or look at? Very broad, but yeah. you can go with you can go whichever way you want with this one. Oh, I love this question because this is the gem of this conversation. Because at the end of the day, I want people to win. And winning isn't totally dependent on money <laughs> or monetary gain, but it's a big part of it. And I want y'all to win in that way. So for those who are professionals in the pro space, as you mentioned, don't have the wiggle room because of legal time. Um, perhaps there's a social outlier effect where people start to look at you weird because they think that you're individualistic and that you all you care about is self-promotion, blah, 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 went through it. I think that if your angle is, your angle that you use your platform for is to help people, you're, you're always in the clear. To provide value for people, you're always in the clear. So here's the difference. I'm taking a selfie with one of my players doing a deadlift. Yeah, look at him go. He's picking up 405. Is that really helping anybody? No. That looks like you're just showing off that, A, your player is, is, is strong, and, B, that's your player. Or that same player is picking up 405, and maybe you do like a technical video 
that kind of demonstrates why you did a heel raise versus keeping his feet flat. You see what I'm saying? So there's a big difference. It's the same exact content, but the context is different. So just have that in mind when you want to provide information to that social space, what's the context of your messaging? It's very important because now people look at you different. People think that your objectives are different and maybe you have, you've created more wiggle room. Okay. Um, Some would even say though, that you can't post players, post yourself, use yourself as the model to provide, again, value, provide value, value, value. And now it's a different projection of information into the space. People look at you different. So that's very important. You know, we have the opportunity to go to these amazing cities, stay in five-star hotels, be in the most exclusive spaces possible. That's a platform. How are you going to use that platform tastefully so that you can provide value to the world? Figure that out because if you can figure that out and do that consistently and well, it's going to set you up really nicely for whatever else you want to do beyond pro sports or even at the same time concurrently. You know, there's a lot of, of, of professionals in the NBA right now that are my colleagues and friends that are doing ancillary individual things within the space of working for a team. And I encourage people to look at Corey Schlesinger, Phoenix Suns performance coach, genius. He's got yeah, the microdosing. Well. Yeah, he's got the microdosing yeah. program. And every time and any time people ask me about microdosing, guess what I say? Go look at Corey. Corey has it down. Daniel Bove, the New Orleans Pelicans performance coach. He has the four quadrant book. Go read that book. It teaches you how to train in season. So it, it could be done. It could be done tastefully. It could be done um, as an exception, uh, inflection from your peers and from your bosses. You just have to understand how to do it, how to walk this line. And um, I think that if, 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 if you're a young performance coach, I say young because if you're like 45 and over, that social media thing is probably like almost an insult to you. I, you know, I, I hate to put old, older gentlemen or, or women in a box, but it, it just seems as though in my, in my experience, they don't really care about social media as much. They just like to consume. Cool. But if you're younger, you know, 25 to, to, to 35 or 40, whatever it is, and you're into this space and you use the platform and you understand the tools and powers and benefits behind it, it is a grave mistake not to try to leverage that to provide value for yourself, create a brand which then translates into more opportunity concurrently with the team or after. And uh, I'll, I'll end with this. I wanna, I'm, I'm going to say 90% of all the NBA athletes I work with, guess how they reach me? Direct message on Instagram. Their agents aren't calling me. Their coaches aren't calling me. They DM me specifically and say, hey, I want to work out. And that's because of the social platform that I've developed, put out, trying to put out value every single day and people recognizing that and saying, hey, this dude might be legit. Let, let's see what's going on. And then now I have 
credibility in the league. And now it's really just a simple DM now. It's a hard, it's a hard, um, it's a hard landscape to go into, I think, because, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, like if you just put content out of you with athletes from the athlete perspective, it might be useful because it validates this is a guy or girl who can work with someone like me at my level in my sport. But I think, you know, if we call that the sort of business to customer, the B2C relationship that we have when you go private, I think it's a tough industry because I'm not, I'm not saying you by any means, but I think people in our industry are really judgmental of that B2B relationship of, as in if you go private and you start posting on social media and it's not content only geared towards other coaches and clinicians, and it's maybe geared at developing your business to the customer, the athlete themselves. Mm. I think people can be really critical in our space of the person who goes online and posts mm. videos or photos of them working with an athlete. Yet when you work private, that's, that's the person who's paying your bills. You need to, you know, how do you, how do you balance that? Cause you need to post a certain amount of time with the population that you serve because that ah. validates you. But then if you do that, you get judged, but you don't get judged as hard if the only content yeah. you create is only for coaches. It's a high, it's a quite a, it's a fine yeah. line, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And, and the, the ultimate answer is who cares if you get judged? That's the ultimate answer. And because we get judged day in and day out. I'm, I'm, I'm an Asian American in a space that's dominated by mostly white men and, and a few black people. Point being, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very, 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 uh, distinct minority in my field, which means I'm judged. I'm in a space basketball that's what 90% black and 10% white. No, mainly there's not many people that look like me. And I've been in this space since I can remember being an Asian person in America, really, and being a military brat and being the only not black person in my, in my classroom or not white person in my classroom. So this is something that's been going on and that I've, that I've been able to work through my entire life, but you have to, and people ask me all the time, how do I get started? Like, how do I continue to, to deflect all the negative energy that people push towards me? And, and at the end of the day, you know, if you're doing good work, you're going to get a lot of negative energy because people are insecure and they want what you want or they, 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 you know, hurt people, hurt people. Right. So you can't allow other people's energy detract you from your mission. If your mission is pure and, and, and the, and the value is there, live in that truth and walk in that truth by yourself every single day and good things will happen. You just have to stay consistent. And I, and I made a decision to myself a long time ago that I'm not, I'm not going to care about anything that I can't control. And how you feel about me, guess what? I can't control that. So I'm going to keep pushing. No, I love that. And I think it's a good, um, it's a nice note to end on, I think, as well, with everything that we're saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> some good wisdom at the end. Um, where can, you know, I mean, enough of our listeners, I'm sure, already follow you, looking at the, uh, the size of your <laughs> following, but where can uh, non-followers oh, follow you? Listen, we talked about, creating a pla uh, creating a business for yourself a brand for yourself using a platform that's free social media being 
that platform. And I would be remiss to not mention my wife and I's company is called GBG Hoops. Greatness breeds greatness. And we've developed an app. So um, if you go to our Instagram in the bio, you can look at that. I post three times a day on Instagram. So it's easy to find me. GBG Hoops is our GBG.hoops is our Instagram company Instagram. My personal Instagram is Mr. Do It Moving. Uh, you can reach me there. We have a YouTube channel, GBG Hoops. So we're creating this cool little ecosystem that is definitely growing and with the sole purpose and mission of just providing value to people that want to work out with us, want to train with us, but just don't have the means, whether it's approximation of location, funds, whatever the case is. Now we have a vantage point in which we're accessible globally. And that's the main mission for us is to continue to help. And that's a way we can now by downloading our app, working out with us. We're putting out programs every two months. We have 11 programs right now, basketball specific. And um, that's where you can find us. That's where we'll continue to breathe and walk in our greatness. Mate, I love that. And we'll put links to all of that in the in the show notes in the episode descri- description as well for the listeners. So, um, mate, really, really great to connect with you this week and, and get you on the pod. And um, yeah, thank you so much for your time today. Listen, I, I'm like I said before, I'm a huge fan of the show. For you to DM me, DM, here we are, DM. <laughs> for, for you to DM me and ask me to, to be a part of this amazing project is truly an honor. And um, I hope that I was able to provide a little value for your listeners. Yeah, for sure. And our pleasure, mate. Big thanks to Mike for coming on today's show. It was great to uncover his journey and find out more about the private sector working with high performing athletes. As usual, you can find the links for today's guest, Mike, in the episode description or in the show notes at informperformance.com. You can also find us on Instagram via Inform Performance or on Twitter through at InformPod. You've been listening to the Inform Performance podcast with me, Andy McDonald. Catch us next time for more performance and sports medicine insights.